Welcome to the Redemption's Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information, feel free to visit our website, redemptionshill.com. All right, good morning. It's good to see you. Um, so we just finished our series over the book of 1 John together. Um, that was actually 1 John version 2.0 from us since we preached that uh, several years ago. So we just finished that, and then we will be moving into... Uh, the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, uh, pretty soon together as well, but we're kind of stuck in the in-between phase uh, right now. We're going to go over a couple standalone messages to kind of speak into some things that God's put on our heart before we get to Nehemiah, and possibly that'll help us to kind of set up Nehemiah to to do some more work inside of us. So this week, the the first kind of in-between message is going to put us in uh, what is called the parable of the soils, or you may have heard it called the parable of the seed and the sower together. That's where we're going to be for today. Now, if you've been around church for quite a while, this this parable is probably not very uh, new to you. My my hope for you is that you would hear it in maybe a fresh way that you wouldn't think, well, I've I've attained everything, but maybe in a fresh way, this parable would speak to your heart. And if you haven't heard this parable uh, before, no worries, you will today. And my hope for you is is really the exact same. That God would speak to you through this parable, no matter if you've heard it uh, a million times or uh, no time. So a parable is really just this. It is uh, a simple story or illustration that contains in it a spiritual lesson about the kingdom of God or following Jesus. And Jesus was really fond uh, of parables and hyperbole. Like he used both of those quite often. Now, now these parables, that he loved them because they were uh, relatable, right? They could connect to, to a large group of people, but they were also impactful, Right? So he could, he could kind of create a story or scenario uh, that would be relevant to the listeners. And when they hear it, it, it creates one of those I know right moments. Right? So when you hear it, it says something, oh, I know right, you connect to it. So uh, you hear about a, a Facebook overshare, and you're like, yeah, weird, I know, right? Like that kind of connection. Or uh, maybe in Columbia, you hear about going to the magic tree and, and a family going to do that. And they're like, oh, it was so much fun. You're like, I know, right? It, it's these kind of stories that for the most part were clued in upon. And and we kind of understand what's going on in there. But inside these stories, there's going to be a deeper kingdom of God, spiritual kind of uh, thing that we need to grasp a hold of. So the way I've thought of it this week is uh, a parable for Jesus is really using an uh, I know right to get to an aha moment uh, to kind of help us in our spiritual walk. So this parable that we're going through of the soils is a parable repeated in all three synoptic gospels. So you're going to find it in Matthew, Mark, and and uh, Luke, everybody kind of wanted their chance at it. And, and the way I think of it is God saw it important enough that he wanted it in his holy word, not once, not twice, but three times. If God wanted it in his word three times, then I think that probably means for us there should be a sense, man, I should probably listen to this. I should probably kind of wonder uh, what he wanted me to grasp out of that. So, so that's the heart posture I hope that we have today is that we would ask, okay, what does this parable uh, have for me today? What, what does it speak to me today? Because if it's in all of these gospels, it's probably this thing that we're supposed to go back to uh, multiple times and kind of have a reoccurring understanding of what Jesus was saying here. So as we do, as we ask, what does this parable have for me? Just know that it definitely will have something for you. There are a host of texts all over the Bible 
that speak to uh, those teaching or those preaching, people doing what I'm doing right now. And, and when you look at those texts, they can be a, a little bit intimidating and frightening uh, if you look at them and you actually believe that what they say is true. But they say things like, be super careful, preacher, how you preach. Be super careful, teacher, how you teach. And even deeper than that, be super careful why you preach. So be careful what you say and be careful your motivations of why you say it, meaning they're going to be people who preach with motives that, that are not biblical. Some people preach to make money. Uh, you, can, you can find this everywhere you look. They want to fleece the flock and pad their wallets. I, I jokingly call these Jets for Jesus preachers. They always want money, and, and, they, and they want to get people to, to sow into what they're doing. Other preachers preach out of their identity issues. I just want people to like me. Other preachers preach out of uh, kingdom building. I just want to preach in order to get a bigger voice, a bigger platform, a bigger following, not necessarily to build the kingdom of God. These, these motives are all over the place, and the Bible speaks to these mo- motives all over the place, and it also says that it would be better for a person not to preach than to preach with these bad motives. If we connect one of Jesus' words to this, it can be quite terrifying. It, it, it says you can connect this. It would be better off if a, if a person would tie a rock around their neck and jump into the ocean than if they preach like that, than if they led people astray, than if their motives were poor, because God is very serious about his children and how they are led and fed. This is why James just says straight up, not many of you should preach. Not many of you should teach, right? So these verses are everywhere. They're warnings for preachers. They're warnings for teachers. Uh, but what we, under, what we need to understand is in this text, what we find is something else. We find a, a, a warning for the hearer. It's a warning about what we're doing here, about how we listen, about how our hearts are prepared to hear God's word in a formative way. And it really begins to open up that there's kind of some real cause and effect things uh, to not listening well or allowing your heart to be in a spot where you can hear well the truth of God. This is why Jesus says himself, for those who have ears, let them hear. Hey, pay attention because there's going to be something important here, he's saying. It'll affect, the way that you hear will affect what Jesus wants to tell you is your fruitfulness. It'll affect the health and the outworking of your faith. Now, now notice with me that language isn't very common in church language, right? This, hey, be careful how you hear. What we hear quite often is people say things like, I wasn't fed at that church. Or that sermon didn't feed me. Or that sermon didn't help me. Or that DNA or that MC or that Bible study or that, that thing. It's always, well, that, that didn't feed me. The onus for fruit is always put back on the speaker or the medium. But what we need to understand is Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how did you listen to it? He's, he's flipping the question back. How was your heart? How, how were your ears? Were you in a place that was even able to hear truth at the moment? Or were you not? We must hold speakers and sermons and studies to a very clear gospel standard. The, the, the preacher or teacher never gets to pass the buck, but Jesus wants us to understand that the, the standard for hearing needs to be high as well. Are, are you following me or are we already lost? One head nod. All right, already. We'll just keep going. Um, now, in this listening well, what we want to understand is listening well is not a matter of losing your salvation. It's not a matter of listen well or God will smite you. What Jesus is saying is if we don't learn to listen well or have our hearts in a posture where we can listen well, we won't be fruitful. We will not produce the fruit that we are meant to in Jesus. And what that does is it raises the bar of what we're doing here. We need to listen well. 
It, it raises the bar of whenever we teach, whenever we gather, it raises the bar of, of how am I listening because how I listen will be a major factor and kind of the fruitfulness that my faith is going to experience after that. So the question on a lead-in is, is really, have you thought about your readiness to hear before? Have you considered the rhythms of your life and how they could possibly affect your heart to whether you can or cannot hear the truth of God in the moment? Have you considered what's happening in your heart and how that affects the way that it can receive truth for your own good? This is um, the text will be in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And I'll go ahead and read this. We're going to skip a couple verses in the middle. Feel free to go back and listen and, and read that later if you want. Um, But at verse 1, again, he began to teach beside the sea. This is Jesus. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and they devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprung up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and they choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Skip down to verse 13. And he said to them, again, this is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. Do you understand this parable? Be a little intimidating if Jesus looks at you and said that, right? Do you you get this? Uh, How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and he takes away the word that is sown in them. Verse 16, and These are those, uh, the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the world, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. These are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and they choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now this parable is powerful, but it unfolds in a way like I kind of imagine the way I think this may have happened and it makes me laugh a little bit. All right, Jesus teaching, he's spreading the gospel. There's a massive crowd, so much so that Jesus is like, hey, I better get on this boat so I can kind of spread out the message. He's speaking the word of the kingdom of the God uh, to the people. The disciples are hearing him, and, and they're, they're kind of learning how to share this same gospel. They're still in this formation phase. Uh, and then it happens. Jesus delivers the message to, about the soil, the parable to the soil of a large crowd. And I imagine the disciples sitting back, listening intently, right? I, they're probably on the boat too, and Jesus is speaking, everybody can see. I'm like, yep, mm-hmm, amen, yep, yep, mm-hmm, right, nodding along, uh, and then Jesus finishes the, the sermon of the parable, and the crowd kind of thins out, and Jesus begins to debrief with them over it, going, hey, what do you guys think? What did you get out of that? Do you get it? And I imagine one disciple responds, oh, man, good, so good, so, so, so good, spoke to my heart. And he's like, well, what about you? Wonderful, so wonderful. 
Lots to think about. And another guy is, is amazing, amazing. And Jesus is like, you don't get it at all, do you? Like, nah, we don't. We, like, we don't understand. So Jesus just patiently begins to explain it to them. And so here's the word for us. If they didn't get it, don't be surprised if we don't. Right? We, we just want to do a little bit of wrestling and say, Jesus, what would you say to us in this? Because Jesus thought it was important enough to, to speak it and then go, hey, guys, I want to make sure that you get this. So we want to go back and understand it, just patiently walk through it and, and hope that we get it. Now, when we say that the disciples didn't get it, they understood the, uh, the agricultural context of the story. They didn't understand what it meant to their heart, though. That's, that's kind of what we're going to go over and process. So um, th- there are terms in this, and I just gave you a key. Uh, uh, Anthony, if you'll pop up that slide that just has the, the multiple words on it, uh, he- here's a key to just help us understand. We want to cut through all the mess, make sure we understand the terms so that we can dive in and understand what is happening. The, the terms in the story of the parable that are important are the sower. Christ is the sower or anyone who comes after him who shares the message of the kingdom of God. Not who shares morality, not, not who shares name it, claim it, faith. It is anyone who comes proclaiming the word of the gospel, which is the kingdom of God. The sower is the one who speaks that message out. If you speak other things out, you're not a sower. The sower sows the seed. The, sow, the seed is the word of the kingdom of God, the gospel. Hopefully that is formative because we're having a lot of talks about mission and how do I do this and how do I do this. And part of the seed is just understanding the, 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 un, um, the unmolded words of the kingdom of God and, and the gospel. That is the seed. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that will produce new life. And then the soils. The soils are the hearts of men and women. The hearts, right? The, the seed, the gospel is planted in the hearts of men and women and then it says the birds in here is going to be satanic or demonic opposition. It's going to be the evil in the world, the, the pull of the enemy. And the thorns are the worry and deceit of the world, uh, whether it be wealth or distraction or any of the things, the, the shiny things out in the world that we're trying to, to kind of get our hands on. These are the terms. So the, the text opens up, and, and Jesus, he kind of opens it in a way that I hadn't really paid very much attention to this until, uh, until this reading. But he says emphatically, listen, and then behold. Right? That's weird. Listen, behold. You're like, oh, okay. It's interesting wording, and it's almost as if, if Jesus uh, does this like, hey, hey, pay attention to me right now. Watch what I'm doing. Zone in, because what I'm about to say is a really big deal. So everyone's like, okay, I'm listening. And he goes, a, a sower went out to sow. You're like, oh, okay. It's a weird thing to maybe draw our attention to, but as we understand the parable more, we'll understand why he said, hey, please pay attention to this. This whole parable revolves around the idea of new life and fruit. New life and new fruit. When a seed is put into the ground by a sower or a farmer, it's done for one reason and one reason alone. It's not a savings plan that they're hoping it'll be there in 25 years. There's one reason they put it into the ground to yield new life in the very next season that is coming. So life will sprout out where life was not before. This is Jesus saying, hey, hey, listen, behold. And he says it with such fervor in this text because he wanted us to slow down. In Christ, there has come an agent for the first time who will sow a seed that will bring new life. The whole world promises you new life and they cannot give it. The seed that will finally give you new life is here. He's going, please understand everything that you're looking for is here now. This statement should invoke worship from our hearts. Without a sower coming, 
Without Jesus stepping into the field by coming down into creation, there would be no way for the soil, our hearts, to bear any fruit. Nothing good would come or transforming would come out of our lives without Jesus coming as the sower. The soil would not produce any harvest of fruit without Jesus. So he's saying, behold, please get this. The sower has come. And he's come with the seed, which is the word of the kingdom, the gospel. What we need to understand theologically is Jesus is not only speaking the, the seed, Jesus is the seed. Why? Because Jesus puts in, gets put in the ground and it's only through that and then his resurrection and believing in that that we have new life. It's the only way for life to come. That's why he's so, hey, 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 listen, please grasp a hold of this. I'm not giving you best practices that may or may not make your life more stressful. I'm telling you the only place you'll find life is right here. So behold and listen because everything's going to tell you it'll give you this and none of it will but me. There's several side sermons that can be preached here. We don't want to grab too far into them. But Jesus is showing us uh, without the sower, there is no fruit. And without the seed, there is no fruit either. Jesus is the first missionary, and that's why we become missionaries after, because without going out like he did, there will be no growth in us, and there will be no new life in other people. Workers are needed in the field because the harvest is plentiful. They come with one message, though. Now, we want to focus on his primary point, though. Hear this. He's wanting us to see that the very same seed, the same gospel can be planted in different soils, different hearts, and have vastly different results. Are, are you getting that? It's, it's not different gospels. The exact same seed can be placed in different hearts, and there's going to be vastly different results depending on the heart that the seed comes into. The point is, the condition of your heart and mind, as it hears the gospel, will greatly affect the fruitfulness that will come out of it. The condition of our heart has a whole lot to do and is directly correlated to the fruit that will come out of our life. What Jesus is asking for us to consider, you and me both, is is your heart primed in such a way where the seed can grow or is it not? Is your heart at a spot where you could have a harvest or not of new life, of joy and transformation or not? So we, we kind of get a little bit confused theologically at times about what does what and how things work, but we cannot fix ourselves alone. Uh, the, the soil parable is not, hey, fix everything in your life so that you can be better. That, that's not, that's not kind of what they're saying here. We cannot fix ourselves by ourselves. We cannot control all the outcomes of our, our life. We can't even handle, like, the, we can't even control the peaks and valleys of, of our faith, right? We wish we could, but we, we can't. But there are things that we can control and that we can actually change. And a huge one is the ripeness of our heart to be able to hear the seed of the gospel. So Jesus will lay out three common ways that the heart can be set up for a bad harvest. Here's three things that all of us can fall into uh, to, to where it can kind of smash the, the hearer's ability to be able to hear and grow in the gospel. Again, his point isn't to, to condemn us. He isn't trying to be harsh and saying, hey, suck it up, get better at life. His desire is simply for us to hear this, be aware of this, listen to the Spirit if the Spirit speaks to us, and maybe consider whether he's trying to help us become more fertile soil. He's not telling you to earn your place. He's trying to tell you, be mindful of your heart, because maybe you have more control of that than you've ever realized. And that maybe if our hearts were in, in, a, in a different spot than where they are now, maybe the next season will be the most fruitful season that we'll ever have. And again, that's not having anything to do with money. 
The three soils that don't produce the harvest that is bountiful and lasting in the text, they are what Jesus calls the soil along the path, right? That's number one. And then there's the soil full of rocks. That's number two. And then there's the soil among the, the thorns. That's number three. And, and then there's the good soil. And, and some people consider the good soil to be one soil, and then the 30, 60, and 100 to be other good soil. It's just good soil. Right? So, so we'll kind of have see four different quadrants of health in your heart as this parable unfolds. And what he's going to, to do is he's going to explain to us the effect of a certain type of heart, like what it'll do if your heart is in this place with the gospel. That's what he wants to show us. Uh, what will happen in the here and the now if your heart is in this place and here's the gospel, he's going to say, hey, it's going to go like this for you, so be mindful. The very first one that he begins to explain that about is the soil along the path. I enjoy mountain biking quite a bit. Uh, so often we're on what, what is called single trail. It's these trails cut into the woods. If you've been out to Rockbridge State Park, you've seen those. They are paths that are formed either by machines or, or us just walking over and over and over and over certain land. And the soil gets so packed down that a path is formed. Right? It is hard ground, it is packed ground, uh, and what Jesus is saying is if your heart is like a path, if it is this beaten down, if, this, if it is this hard at the moment, it's going to be impossible for the seed to get deep enough in there for, for it to produce any type of harvest. This is why he says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear them, notice Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. This is when Jesus explained it. He called it the first time the, the birds. This type of hearer is the one that responds indifferently to what is preached or the gospel or what is taught. It, it, it's not necessarily a malicious response. It, it is just an indifferent response. Okay. How'd that word affect you? Fine. Fine. They may hear and they may listen, but they understand nothing at a level that actually kind of works in or changes the heart. This, this human heart, hear me, is so pounded down and, and beaten down by a steady traffic of sin that it's become like spiritual concrete. It's impervious. It is insensitive. It cannot grow fruit. The gospel cannot get into it. And Jesus says, the bird, Satan, comes and steals it. So the word is preached and the heart just kind of, ah, it doesn't do anything with it, and the enemy just pulls it away. This is the, the type of heart, the type of soil, that it doesn't matter how fire of a sermon someone were to give or how thick the Holy Spirit is in the room while it's working. They are just unaffected. They're there to be there, not to be changed, not to worship. They're just there to just pass the time. I have to press this because what we can normally do is we can hear this and we're like, oh, yeah, man, I know a couple of people like that. This is not meant to be the worst of the worst person that you can think of. They're not the only one at risk of being hardened soil. Hear me, you're at risk of it, and so am I. The deceitfulness of sin, when we get into a pattern of sin, and we begin to just kind of accept it, when we participate in it and don't repent of it, will harden your heart. You can see this all through the Old Testament, even in Deuteronomy, when God's laying out commands and then saying, hey, don't, don't, don't take things from, from Egypt and don't gather a king that'll have uh, many wives and many horses and all these things. He's saying, hey, be careful of all this stuff because it'll harden your heart. This hardening of the heart is all over the, the word. 
when we begin to experience and walk in sin, even when it's what we consider like low-level, culturally accepted, just not that big of a deal sin, Jesus saying, hey, you think it's not a big deal, and it may not burn your whole life down right now, but it will harden your heart. It'll callous over your soul to where the gospel can't get into where it's supposed to be, and, and you can't grow. We can tend to think that our hearts only can get hardened with those bad sins, right? Cheaters. Their hearts hardened. Murderers, their hearts hardened. Thieves, their hearts hardened. Your opposite version of the political aisle, their hearts hardened. Sin that will form a path in your heart are white lies. Sin that will form a path in your heart is exaggeration or over-brashness when you speak. Sin that can form a hard path in your heart is frustration or bitterness that's just let simmer a little bit too long. Sin that can cause a a hard path in your heart is just indifference. What are other ones? Watching shows with a little bit too much skin. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's on just a regular cable. It's just on Netflix, no big deal. That'll harden your heart. Themes, shows, engagements with these patterns that are, that, are, that are what John called antichrist. They're going against God. They will harden your heart if you're not careful. Even socially acceptable sins will pound your heart into a hard, calloused place. Fruit will not grow in a hardened and unrepentant heart. Hear this, please. doesn't matter what the sin is. It doesn't even matter if the sin is one that you're going, I think God's fine with it. It will pound your heart into a hard spot. The question that maybe we should wrestle with is, is the Holy Spirit showing you lately that maybe the path of your heart needs to be tilled up a little bit? Maybe a certain sinful proclivity is just like all of a sudden it's like, ah, it's just kind of gotten out of control. And you're like, I don't even know how this happened. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you saying, hey, man, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. Maybe you understand that the Holy Spirit is saying, I love you. Your heart is getting hardened. Please walk away. If you begin to see maybe elements of a hardened path heart in you, pray and ask the Holy Spirit, help, help soften me. Please help till up the hard ground of the heart because, again, an unrepentant heart or a, a heart that just kind of walks laissez-faire in sin will be hardened and you won't bear fruit there. We're so worried of, will this send me to hell? And that's the wrong question. The question is, what will happen in my heart if I keep rolling down that direction? The Holy Spirit may be pulling some of us. If it is, man, I hope you don't walk away without acknowledging that or dealing with that. The second soil is the soil of the rocky ground where seed may penetrate. It's not like the path. It can actually penetrate some, and it produces a plant that, sp- that sprouts up quickly, and there's signs of life. And, and, and the, the rocks below the soil, though, just cause a situation where the roots can't go deep enough to make it strong. So when a non-optimal situation comes, that seed will end up dying. Right, so the seed can get in there, it starts sprouting up, but then just a bad condition, it, it can't handle it. I, we experienced this in our backyard. The, the wonderful guys who graded our backyard put like 0.2 centimeters of fresh dirt on top of clay and rock. Right, so when they seeded it, the grass sprouted up. We're like, look, a yard, woo! And, and then a hot summer came and it all died. All of it died. Why? Because there was no root system. It looked good. It showed the signs of grass. It was green. We still had to mow it, and then it was gone. Jesus explains this is the person who quickly accepts the word. They get pumped up about it. They seem like, man, wow, look, look at 
look at how fast they're excited uh, about the word and they seem to get pumped up really quick and, and this faith seems to pop up quickly out of their excitement, but then trial comes or temptation comes and that person drops the word faster than they, they picked it up at the beginning. This is a person or a heart who in the moment their faith is more enthusiastic than deep. It's super excited and really shallow. This is the heart that that doesn't count the cost of following Jesus. A heart that's no longer broken over sin or has never become broken over sin. It's just really excited about Jesus until it's not. This is why we should be aware of conversions that are all smiles and, and nothing else. This is why we should not ever, uh, we're not, we're not, it's not our job to like fake, real, fake, real, but we should be wary of someone who is converted when there is no repentance. When it's all high fives and no humility, there might be a problem there. Why? Because that heart will not be able to withstand hardship. When the certain temptation or the certain trial comes for that specific heart, they will be out because the root system is not deep. The gospel hasn't been able to go deep enough to do the work to be able to sustain it. Where have we seen this in our church? Two most common ways is we see it with people who love Jesus until they get a new boyfriend or girlfriend. Then all of a sudden, the the temptation that that presents walks them a different direction. We see this in a person who's, they, they just want community and not Jesus until there's like some real life that happens in the community and then they're out. We see this as well uh, quite often in the person who wants Jesus until they start making money. They're super, super excited until they're super, super not. Jesus is saying be careful because if you have no root system, if the seed has not been able to go deep, the gospel hasn't penetrated into the heart in a way that changes you, uh, then it hasn't gone deep enough and fruit cannot come from that type of soil. Here's what I think Jesus would say to us about this right here and right now. If you're holding anything back for yourself, if you want to keep him at bay at any area of your life, if if you're excited about some things but don't really want him all the way in, then your whole heart hasn't been affected by the gospel and Jesus is going, hey, can we fix that? Can we send it deeper so the transformation can come? so I can remove those rocks so that the, the seed can go to a spot that it's just never been before? You might ask, okay, what are the signs of being this type of rocky soil? And, and here's a primary one. If your faith never challenges your actions, it's probably rocky soil. If Jesus doesn't ever get to tell you no or redirect your wants in light of who he is, if Jesus doesn't get filtered into your time or your money or your habits or your desires, then that's just a really good sign that the, the root system isn't deep yet. And Jesus is going, hey, let, let, let's kind of fix that. Let's kind of deal with that. He's not trying to smite you or hurt you. He's going, hey, man, I, I want you to be more fruitful. And the third soil is a soil among the thorns. The soil accepts the seed. But the other things around it, the other thorns and, and the weeds, steal the, the seed's ability to grow or thrive. 
Now notice this, this type of soil that has other things growing around it, it's not hard, that seed can get in, no problem. There's no rocks to, to stop the roots from getting deep either. That's not a problem either. The soil looks good. It's probably uh, just dense in nutrients. It is ready to grow except for there's too many other things around it. The weeds and the thorns, the other things around the seed are too densely populated to allow it to get strong. The invasive other species always choke out the life when the seed is about to do its work. Jesus says this is the person who really wants Jesus and salvation. I believe that this soil, I've experienced this soil is ones whose their, their intentions are they're solid. But the cares of the world the distractions out there, the things, the habits, the stuff. It just pulls so hard. They're so firmly rooted in all of the other things that all the other things choke out the ability and the time and the capacity for the seed to do its work. Again, what's sad is I believe that this soil really, really wants to be fruitful. It's not trying to get away with anything. It's just too much stuff. What are these cares of the world? Man, they can be anything. It can be your hobbies. It can be your job. It can be your education. It can be your vacations, your retirement, your savings, your 401k, your, your, your cryptocurrency, your stocks. It can be your new house. It can be your uh, new car, your new truck, your kids, your kids' sports, your relationships. It can be anything. It's anything out in the world that squeezes out the ability for the gospel seed to do its work. The common mindset, how do we know if we're at risk of becoming thorny soil? The pervasive saying of this type of soil is this, I'm so busy. I just, I don't have time. It wants to, but the echo that keeps going is, ah, no margin, no time. I just can't slow down right now. I want to. My, my next season, my next time, when... When, when, when I get sleep because my kid's older, or when I get this other job, or when I finish school, or this happens, or this happens, I just, ah, oh, my job is so busy right now, I just, I just don't have time. That's the thing that constantly comes out of the soil that has too many thorns in it. What ends up happening, remember I said this, this heart means well. So what happens, this heart ends up prioritizing working for Jesus rather than ever being with him. Does that make sense? Because they're so busy, when their faith is participated in, they become a slave. I just got to work, I got to work, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do. But then the Mary and Martha thing, what would, can you just sit? Can you, can you have your heart worked in? The soil just doesn't have the margin to slow down. Because the weeds and thorns just won't allow it. Man, if that's you, if here's one of the reasons that I really wanted to, to kind of roll into this sermon. All the things in our hands when COVID came, what did it do? Like knocked them all out. Like I do, I'm, look at all the stuff I'm doing. COVID's like not anymore. It, and so things are clearing now. So what are we doing? 
we're grabbing everything we can. If you begin to pick up too much stuff, too many things are filling your heart. I think Jesus is just saying, hey, be careful because I can't, I can't help you be fruitful there. Again, the words are not, I hate you. It is, I love you. Will you cast some of that aside so I can work? Let me bear fruit in you. Let me take the gospel deeper. Let me show you a better way. We get, we get, we get tricked a little bit. I think what Jesus would say to our modern Western hearts is you don't have to be that hurried. You don't have to be that distracted. But you don't have to. The world screams you do. But again, remember, Jesus sets the captive free. He doesn't put you into the prison cell. He opens the gates. So you don't have to do that. Jesus can be in helping pull the weeds if you ask him for help in it and if you need it. Something that still weighs on, on me is, is a book that me and several people read before the pandemic, which timing is still just so interesting. It's called The, uh, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. But one of the things that I took away largely from the book, if just the synopsis, the thing that stuck out in my mind is the author said this, our modern Western pace of life is literally incompatible with Christianity. They can't work together. The pace that we go, the things that we do, the, the fullness of our, of our calendar, the, the, the time that we have and how we block it off and our, and our efficiencies and all of the stuff, we cannot follow Jesus with that much stuff. It makes me think of Jonah, the story where the, the storm starts coming and they just start throwing stuff off the boat as fast as they can. That Our boats are too weighed down. We cannot. Think of it this way as well. Peace, hope, rest. Those terms are not terms of hurry. We sometimes, like, here's the way my heart thinks. We say we want peace, but we value productivity more. Right? We, we say we want hope, but we actually value hobbies more. Right? We, we, we kind of keep doing that if you wanted. We say we want rest, but we actually really love to be restless. The only thing a heart can experience when you're that fast is anxiety. The heart that slows down can be fruitful. The heart that slows down can find rest in Jesus. Again, I get it. We have jobs. We have things. Some of us have kids. There's, I don't know. But there's still a way for the seed to bear fruit even in the modern day that we live in. So often this parable is heard as do better, try harder. Where if the soil in your heart isn't optimal, we, just fall into defeat and we maybe get down and, and think that the burden of what, what our soil feels like in the moment is just insurmountable, but that's not what Jesus wants to lead us into with this parable. His desire is fruitfulness, not disappointment. His desire is that you would have fruitfulness, that you would bear a harvest, not that you would do better, try harder, and walk in more duty. He wants to help you 
and put you on a path towards life. Again, Jesus isn't trying to take anything away from you. He's trying to give you more than you have right now. This is why he says, the, though there's a soil on the path, and though there is a rocky soil, and though there is a thorny soil, there's also a good soil. There's a soil that isn't hardened by sin anymore, not in the way that it was. There's a, a, a soil that isn't full of rocks and boulders anymore, even though it was. There's a soil that, that, that doesn't have too many weeds anymore, even though there was a time that it, that it did. This is a good soil. Soil that's ready to receive a seed and produce a harvest. Not just a single fruit, not, not a, a, a vine with just one, gro- with one grape on it, but, but a massive yield, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. When, when Jesus uses that 30, 60, 100 language, what he's saying is this. If you'll listen to me, if you'll pay attention to your heart, if you'll, if you'll do a little bit of work of the posturing of your heart, and you'll receive the seed with a healthy soil and a healthy heart, stand back and let me blow your mind because I'll do more than you ever thought I could. That's, that's that 30, 60, 100 thing. He's saying, I will do infinitely more than you ever thought possible. If you'll just listen. Church, again, this is meant to be freeing. And also exciting for us to hear right now. We don't have to work out our salvation or our standing with God. We just need to do a little bit of work of preparing our hearts to be able to hear him. And that seed can do a great work, and we can be fruitful with it. So again, Jesus' words are, be careful how you hear. Be mindful of your heart. And possibly be amazed at what Jesus could do if we actually did that together. Again, the timing of the sermon, the the pandemic took a lot from us, but it also has given us something. It's given us a moment to analyze what we wouldn't have done without it. So here's just in part of that analysis. Do you want to run that fast back to the old life? Or do you want Jesus to create a new one? It's the functional question. Because I think when things are taken away, we're so desperate to get it back that we never actually ask the question, was it good in the first place? If it was, run for it. If it wasn't, run from it. Jesus is offering you a new moment that maybe an old chapter can be closed and he can form a new one. And there could be way more fruit in your heart than you ever thought possible. Our hope is in this. God, renew us. God, draw us near. God, help put your gospel into a deeper spot where we can be amazed by you. For him to do that, he may be doing a little soil work to get there. I pray that we would hear him and let him work. Man, you guys can come back up. We'll take communion today. 1 Corinthians 11 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same The same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here's the good news. It does not matter the condition of the soil previously. You can accept the word and come to the table knowing that there's still a sacrifice. And if you sit here and you're like, man, maybe I have been navigating, like, I thought I could manage those things better and, and, and maybe I haven't. And maybe the sinfulness around me and the sinfulness that I've even done is like hardened some things. I, ah, I, don't, I don't know what to do. There's still sacrifice for you. 
The beauty is Jesus was still crucified. There is still blood that stands over you. And Jesus isn't trying to kick you while you're down. He's saying, hey, come to me. Let's, let's work on that. I pray as you take, no matter where you are, if, if the gospel hasn't gone deep enough or maybe there's just too much stuff on your table that you would be encouraged in Christ and let him minister to your heart. I hope that he would. I hope that you would receive in gladness. And I'll just openly admit, my, my soil needs work too. What if God did work in all of our hearts and we were just more fruitful in the next season than we were in the past and we saw Jesus made much of? I'd be super excited to see what that looked like. And I pray that you would as well. Would you stand with me, God? I'll pray that you help us. Holy Spirit, come and do your work. pray for each heart that's, that maybe feels overly burdened or beaten down, the Holy Spirit, you would show a fresh picture of the cross. Jesus is, Jesus is taking the punishment so we don't have to punish ourselves. I pray for no matter what position our heart is today, God, would you minister to us? Holy Spirit, would you speak? I pray if you have made our heart into good soil that you would unlock worship. Thank you. Father, there are brothers and sisters here that you've done a good work in and they've gone from maybe thorny soil to 30, 60, 100 foot soil. We thank you for that. We don't always have to beat ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done. May we worship appropriately where needed and may we have the humility to, to listen to you and let you work if... you're leading us that way. You've got to be glorified here. I pray that you're glorified more in what we do. And Lord, I would just ask you, help us. Help us to be fruitful in you. Help us to have a harvest of joy in you. Lord, I pray that we would have a harvest of, of peace, of kindness, that a new harvest of love would come out where we don't get bitter or frustrated in the same way, but that we love ferociously like you did. I pray for a harvest of the only the things that you could do to come. Come and do your work. Father, I pray that you're glorified. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done. We love you, God. Amen.